Morning, church. Um, you know, Charles, who was just praying, he's been uh, an encouragement to, to me personally. And uh, if you don't know Charles, um, please introduce yourself to him. Get to know him. You'll be encouraged, too. Just a solid guy who loves God, who loves uh, God's church and loves God's mission. Plus, he has a really cool haircut. So, yeah. Uh, get to know him if, if, if you can. And uh, like I said, you'll, you'll be encouraged. Uh, you know, I've also been encouraged by Brock, who's done a lot of work putting together this, this, um, this series called Habits of Grace and making sure that we're not just talking about this stuff, but that we're living it out, you know? Uh, faith without works is dead, right? And so he is helping us to experience Christ uh, through the spiritual disciplines. Now, um, it's been a while since I preached. Hopefully I haven't forgotten how to do it. We'll see. I wanted to title this morning's sermon, Welcome to Infusion Church, Now Get Out. But I've used that title before. <laughs> Several times. And, and, and the reason is because... Um, you know, when it comes to a title like that, I, I, I want to challenge the idea that church is just some place you go on a Sunday morning. That church is just something that happens within, you know, these walls here. That you show up, punch a card, say you did your religious thing, and then and you head out on home. That's why one of the things I say, yes, you did go to church. I say this often at the end of the service. You did go to church. But remember, you also are the church seven days a week. And God has called you to live for him outside of this building, in your neighborhoods, at your job, wherever you go, representing Christ to advance his kingdom, to be a testimony to a watching world who need Jesus. And so, hence the idea, welcome to Infusion Church, now get out. Well, the, this series, as I said, is emphasizing Experiencing Christ through the spiritual disciplines. So I needed a, you know, a different title. Last week, Pastor Josh Duhamiller talked about experiencing Christ through the spiritual, gen, uh, spiritual discipline of generosity. And the idea here is that to the extent that you are aware of the generosity that you have received from God through the life, the death, and the resurrection, and the glorification of Christ for you, to the extent that you are aware of that generosity God had toward you in the gospel, then you too will be generous to others because of the gospel. With eyes focused on that good news, you can experience Christ as you are generous, and others can experience Christ through you as you are generous. Now, generosity has a purpose. It's not generous for the sake of being generous. It's, it's not generous so, you know, the pastor can get a, a, a new Learjet or a company Harley Davidson or whatever. I, I like that idea, but that's not what it's about. Generosity has a purpose, and the purpose is God's mission to advance his kingdom of grace, to renew all things. And he uses his church 
to do that. That's why this message is titled, Experience Christ Through Mission. Through a life of mission, a life of being on mission. God designed the church to be the sent people of God. He has commissioned you to go and make disciples. Now, when you hear me say that God has commissioned you to go and make disciples, I don't want you to think that I'm talking to the person next to you or somebody else. I'm talking about you personally. God has called you to be a part of that, right? God has chosen to send you out on mission. For you to be on mission in your neighborhoods and in the world, wherever God sends you. To live out God's kingdom values of love and grace and gospel truth. To proclaim in word and deed the good news of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But we're weak, aren't we? We're overwhelmed. We got so much stuff to do. How can we do it all? We need the power of God. And the power of God is what moves us to be on mission. The power of God is the gospel. And the gospel is the good news that through the work of King Jesus and his spirit, the power of God in his kingdom has entered history to reconcile us to God and to renew our broken lives and our communities and our world. And, and, and a key verse for us that, that defines our identity and therefore how we live our lives is 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now I'm telling you right now, it does not get any more down to earth than that. That does not allow you to just kind of think of Christianity and mission theoretically. This is down to earth where it affects your day-to-day living. If you get this, if you get who Jesus is and what he has done and the identity that he has given to you, the purpose he's given you, the mission that he's given to you, I mean, that changes everything. It gives you a mission to the extent that you know, that you know this gospel of grace, you will be filled with gratitude. You just will. You will be sacrificially generous toward the people that God has placed in your life, whether they're Christians or not. You will throw yourself into making a difference in the world because Jesus made a difference in your heart and in your life. And you will look, you will actively look for ways to contribute to the mission of glorifying God as we lead people to and through a life-changing relationship with Jesus and his family. God has called you personally, to be involved in that. So let me ask you something. I have to ask myself this too. Does that describe your life? Does that describe your preoccupation? Is that the filter through which you look at all your priorities? Is, is, is that what you use to figure out how to use your time and your resources that God has given, given to you? Do you refuse to let your own desires for comfort to stop you? 
This is not legalistic religion. This is being transformed by the power of the gospel. And it's what Jesus does for you. And living all of this out together as a church is called ministry. Christian ministry is using your gifts and your resources to meet the very real needs of people in the name of Christ. And the greatest need is Jesus. And that same Jesus leads you to meet other needs as well. The Bible tells you that belonging to God means that together you are a chosen people. You are God's special people. You are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. You are the sent people of God. Jesus gives you that identity that is who you are in him. And now God says to you, be who you already are in Christ. Live consistently with who I've made you to be. You don't have to earn that identity. You don't have to grasp after that identity. God, by his grace, gave it to you. The world says what you do determines who you are, but the gospel says who you are in Christ determines what you do. When you were called to Christ, you were called into ministry. Vocationally or voluntary, whatever it is, Whatever it is, when God called you into his family, he called you into ministry. And we see this all throughout the scriptures. For example, Genesis 12, God calls Abraham, starting in verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. This is what shapes a culture of calling among Christians. It's my first point if you're taking notes. God blesses you to make you a blessing to others. How many of you have been blessed by God? Yep. He blessed you to be a blessing to others. God says, Abram, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And, and here's the deal. And here's what we see throughout scripture. And here's the testimony that I've seen of so many uh, other people. Whenever, and, and, and I've seen it in my life and in, in many of the lives of, of you. Whenever you meet God face to face. And whenever you come to grips with who he is. It transforms you into a person on mission. The word mission is Latin word, uh, missio, which means to be sent. And when you see God, when you, when you see God for, as he really is, what it does is that it, it destroys your individualistic consumer, what's in this thing for me mentality. It just destroys it. 
So the first time Abraham meets God face to face, God says, get out, let go with what you're familiar with, uh, what you're comfortable with, your place in society. He was prominent at that time. Leave it all. Leave your security. Leave your homeland and go. And I'm not even going to tell you when or where. Just go. I I can't imagine being Abraham if God said, I'm not going to tell you where. Just go. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to start walking this way and hopefully it's the right direction. He was willing to just go because he trusted God. God regularly calls his people, you and me, he regularly calls his people to take risks. He regularly calls people, he regularly calls you to attempt great sacrifice for God. He regularly calls you to be on mission to advance God's shalom. And, and, and you know what? That might, that might be in Malawi. More than likely, your own neighborhood. You're all living in your mission field right now. God may change where you live. He may send you with the Beckys to Nigeria. But wherever you are, you are living in the mission field God has placed you. The first time God meets Moses face to face. Moses believed in God, listened, bowed to him. But the first time Moses met God face to face was where? At the burning bush. And when Moses grasped the the holiness and the greatness and the awesomeness of God for the first time, what's God say to Moses? He says, go to Pharaoh, go on my mission for you and, and my people. And then there's the apostle Peter. He, he already knew Jesus because he was one of the disciples. But then in Luke 5, Jesus comes up to them when uh, they're in their boat and they've been out fishing all night. And Jesus says, how'd you do? And Peter says, not so good. And so Jesus says, I got an idea. How about you go out a little further and throw your nuts on the other side of the boat? And they're thinking, Jesus is a little nuts, but we'll humor him and we'll see what happens. And when they do what Jesus said, they get such a huge catch of fish that the boat begins to sink. And what does Peter do? He throws himself at Jesus' feet and he says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Why does, he, why, does, why does he say that? Why does he react like that? Because for the first time in his life, he got a glimpse of the glory of God that was veiled under the humanity of Jesus. And then what does Jesus say to him? After Peter saw Jesus, got a glimpse of who Jesus is, Jesus says to Peter, I've got a new mission for you now. You're going to be fishers of men. And there's Isaiah. He's a prophet. He knows God. But then in Isaiah 6, he sees God high and lifted up, and he's overwhelmed, and he falls on his face, and he says, I feel like I'm coming apart. For the first time, he saw the glory of God. And what happens? What does God say when Isaiah finally sees God high and lifted up? God says, I have a mission for somebody. I've got a group of people here, and I need somebody to go minister to them, to speak to them, to preach to them, but they have hard hearts, and they will never listen, and whoever goes there to be on mission for me will be there for years and years because they will continually resist you and mock you and laugh at you, but I need someone to go. Who here wants to sign up for that? 
Mary does. <laughs> if I'm not interested, I, I'm not interested in that kind of ministry. Human, my 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 sinful heart. I'm I'm not interested in, in that. It doesn't sound very fun. But that's beside the point. Because when you see God for who he is, you'll do whatever he wants you to do. Because you're in, in awe of who God is. And this is, exa- this, is what, this is what Isaiah does. He says, send me. I'll do that. Do you see what's happening in all these examples? Every time people see God for who he is, they lose their consumerist, what's in this thing for me, a mentality. And they say, I will risk, I will sacrifice, I will go, I'll do whatever it takes to be on mission, to reach out to others and meet their, name, their needs in the name of Christ. The attitude of what do I want, what's not awkward for me, or what's comfortable for me, what are my preferences, what do I like. That mentality is no longer the basis for your decisions in life. Now, I know people in these examples can seem different than us, epic people with dramatic special effects and smoke and fire and visions, all that kind of stuff. That's not really the way it happens for most of us, is it? But it's the same principle because here's the reality. When the church, when God's people when brothers and sisters in Christ, when, when we realize that we are sent to be a blessing to others together, living generous lives every day, I mean, actually living that out together, that is epic. And it gets the world's attention because this world is a dog-eat-dog world. Everybody's looking out for themselves. What is different about these people and Why? who Jesus is and what he's done. He's given us a mission. I've heard somebody describe God as a spiritual tornado that he kind of brings us in and he sweeps us up and then he sends us out. The truth is, he never, God never pulls you in without sending you out. God never pulls you in without sending you out. God never blesses you without making you to be, calling you to be a blessing to other people. Jesus in John 17 is praying. And this is is what he prays for. He says, as you, Father, sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. You know who he's talking about? You and me. And he says, I say these things so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Because here's the deal. No one has joy like someone who knows that they've got something that'll change the world and change people's eternity. I mean, you can't even imagine that kind of joy that kind of experience, you can't even imagine it until you serve something greater than your career, 
Until you serve something or someone greater than your hobbies and your sports and your love life and your hurts and your comfort and your family, whatever it is. In fact, family. Family is a common idol around here in Southern California. We can almost justify anything we do or not do by saying, I'm doing it for my family or I'm I'm not doing it because of my, my family. And you never kind of think through that it's just a knee-jerk reaction and short-circuits our mission so often. The best thing for your family is to make experience, knowing Christ and, and join him central to the life of your family. And you experience Christ on mission together. The best thing... Look, your, your parenting is discipleship, one way or the other. It's discipleship. You are discipling your children. You're discipling your children to believe and think the way God calls us to think, or you're discipling your children to, to live for themselves and to default to their own comfort. And we can't control their hearts. Only the Holy Spirit can And we're going to mess up as parents. I don't care who you are. You're going to mess up your kids one way or another. We all do. Which is why we need the gospel. And we kids need to watch us model repentance and faith and humility and confidence in the cross of Christ. Because they'll carry that with them. And they'll see you live in response to the gospel on mission for him. And that gives them a new perspective on what life is all about. The most important parenting you'll do is, to, is discipleship. And, you know, you can, you can plant water. You know, God's got to produce the, the, the growth in their hearts and lives. And I know it'll be discouraging sometime, but you have the power of the gospel. You have the Holy Spirit. You experience Christ on mission together. That's the way it works. Next, blessing others means you're willing to lose things. When God spoke to Abraham, he said, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left. He walked away from it all. So what's that look like for us today? Being a Christian in public will cost you. It will. You might be misunderstood by your family. You might be judged or, or scoffed you know, at by, by your friends or your co-workers. They might think of like the, the wackiest, most hypocritical you know, Christian they can think of and then lump you into that same category and say, oh, you're one of those people. And as you move out into the world as a Christian on mission to represent King Jesus and his kingdom, you'll see that it costs you because you give up your calendar, you give up your reputation, you give up your time, you give up your money, you give up hope for a comfortable life, and you offer it to God because you belong to him. But you'll become an amazing expression of love for God and for others. Now, now here's, here's the deal with our church. Here's what I know about our church. It is not easy being a part of a church like this where the church staff 
does not live out your calling for you. We believe everyone has responsibility for their calling. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, meaning every Christian is a minister. If you are a Christian, you are a minister. And, and God's called you to love and encourage and challenge and, and uh, give to and pray for each other. And we all, every single one of us, takes responsibility for God's call on our life as the sent people of God. And you know what that does? It leads us to having two kinds of people in our church. Missionaries and non-Christians. Uh, missionaries who view themselves as part of a, of a missionary team. Everybody's got their own job, but their identity, they realize they're part of a missionary church. They, they have a role to play on the team. This, when we live this out, this could be one of, the, one of the best pleasant surprises to non-Christians when they see you selflessly sacrificing for the good of others. Why? Because you're actually putting your money where your mouth is. You really believe and are moved by who Jesus is and what he has done for you. What a powerful testimony it is to a watching world. See, the gospel teaches us that it cost Jesus everything to fulfill his mission to reach you. God had a mission. I'm going to reach you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to change your life. Whatever it takes. And what did it take? The crucifixion of God the Son. Him taking on the sin of the world. <laughs> He's going to do whatever it takes. He did that for you. It's... It, Jesus lived the life that you should have lived. He lived it perfectly and then gave you all the credit. And, and then when you couldn't sacrifice or wouldn't sacrifice for others, then, then he sacrificed for you anyway. And then he died the death that you and I should have died. And then he gives you the credit for all of it. And you didn't earn any of it. But he graciously just chose to love you and to lose to win you. If we're not willing to take the risk of losing respect or take the risk of losing reputation or income potential or losing our comfort or our control or our preferred schedules, it simply means that we've lost sight of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We've, we've totally lost sight of it. And the solution is not manipulative guilt. The solution is seeing that God fulfilled his mission through Christ to bless you. Focusing on that is what changes you. God blessed you to be a blessing to others. This means you're willing to lose stuff. And then finally, the great promise and our ultimate joy is this. Jesus blesses you with his presence. Doesn't get better than this right here. What's this mean? It means that as you attempt sacrificial generosity for him in everyday life together, motivated by who Jesus is and what he's done for you, you will experience Christ. But 
you will especially experience Christ when you mess up. You will especially experience Christ when you're weak. You will especially experience Christ when you fail. You know why? Because it drives you to Christ to pray for grace. And he gives it to you. Your faith must be in Christ. It can't, your faith cannot be in yourself, in, in your abilities. And that could lead you to think that, that you'd either be puffed up or totally crushed. Like, I'm awesome, I have all this ability, and, and you're putting your faith in yourself. Or I'm not awesome, I have, I have nothing, I have no skills or anything like that. And, and then you're just discouraged and, and your mission gets short-circuited. Your faith must be in Christ. The author of Hebrews says God gave the experience of his approval to people in days of old because of their faith. And we can experience the same thing in a fuller way today. Do you remember when it was that, that Jesus, when, when the Spirit was poured out on Jesus? It was the minute that he began his mission. The dove came down and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then later, right before his ascension, Matthew 28 says this, that Jesus came to his disciples and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm in charge. I have the authority. I am God the Son. I am King Jesus. Therefore, I'm telling you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He's commissioned you with that. And then Jesus adds this, the best part. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. <laughs> we, we have the Spirit of Christ with us. We've been given the Holy Spirit, also known as your comforter, and he comforts you because he calls you out of your comfort zone to be on mission. The Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. He comes down into your life. And Paul talks about the love of God being poured upon to, uh, your heart so much that we almost have to say, please stop. See, I mean, if you actually knew that God loves you, if you actually believe that God loves you, if you actually believe that he is with you, then you will be able to say, you know what, let all hell break loose because it doesn't matter. I have Jesus with me and he is enough. He is my peace of mind and heart. He is my comfort. He is my security. He is my joy. You don't need anything else. And then suddenly, when you experience this, suddenly there is power in your life and you know that he is with you and, you, and he will give you a, a fuller experience of himself as you step out on mission to serve him and to serve each other and reach out to your neighbors. There is no greater blessing than that. If you feel like you're just going through the religious motions, you, th you think that God's far away or, or you think that you know, your, your, your church isn't like, exciting enough or whatever it is. You know, the evil one can whisper in our ears to kind of spread discontent one way or another. Just get on mission and see what happens. Watch how God works in your heart as you trust him 
and the power of the gospel. It changes everything. I'll close with this. Many of you have proven all of this to me. And I just get blown away as I see so many of you learning what it means to die to self and to live for others and for God's glory. So many of you serve each other and your neighbors at the drop of a hat, and it's amazing to see how so many times, so many times, God uses people with the least to set the pace for everyone else. You got a testimony from Luani about that. Was he bragging about himself when he was up here, talking about being born in the poorest country in, in the world, and yet God placed a call on his life, and, and he's basically saying, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll, but I'll be obedient, and he's doing it. Because he's trusting God, not his own abilities. I'm encouraged by you. I'm encouraged by all of you. I have that same mindset. You show me what it's like to experience Christ as you give, as you give yourselves away on mission. Now, if you don't know where to start with this, how to live this out, so you can put it into, into, into practice instead of just think about it, I have a suggestion. Many ways to do it, but I'll give you a suggestion. Talk to Pastor Brock or talk to Charity, who's one of our deacons who's helping out with the logistics for our Serve the City event coming up on July 27th. Talk to them. Make a commitment to no, donate backpacks and school supplies and toiletries or new toys and clothes or finances above and beyond your regular giving to fund the Serve the City event. I mean, there's only two weeks left. Don't spend too much time thinking about it. It's happening in two weeks, July 27th, 8.30 to 11. We need you, and we need to know that you're going to be available if you're planning on it. Our desire is for you to experience Christ. So we're giving you opportunity to live it out, to experience Christ through, through generosity and service on mission. King Jesus says that as you serve the least of these, you are serving him. So let me also encourage you to consider showing up here bright and early before 8.30 a.m. and be ready to simply talk with people. Learn about them and their lives because you're genuinely interested and love them. Look for an opportunity to meet their physical needs, but also look for an opportunity to meet their spiritual needs. At some point, you might see an opportunity to pray for them and point them to Jesus. This is not the only way, but it is one way you can experience Christ on mission. And for others to experience Christ through you. And if you're not a Christian this morning, my hope for you as well is that you would see the sacrifice that Christ made for you and that this sacrifice on the cross proves that you can trust him and that he loves you. My call for you is to trust him today. Give your life to him, and, and he will give you true life filled with great purpose in his kingdom. And God says to all of us, if you know me, you will bless others. You will live generous lives on mission, even if it costs you what you thought was so important to you.
if you're willing to lose your life, you will find it. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me?